Good evening, sports world. What is happening? Chris Dell here, co-host of the Family Feud Sports Podcast on Go Baller FFS, here to bring you our NFL Quick Rants podcast for week 15 of the NFL season. Sitting here next to none other than the godfather, Mr. Alan Dell, former Tampa Bay Bucks beat writer and ready to go over the godfather's rant of the week and I just got an inkling here that you're going to be talking about your boy, Michael Bennett, and the NFL. So uh, let it rip, Mr. Allen Dell. Yeah, I was pretty upset about, and I think a lot of people were about the way the NFL handled the melee, the post-game melee at, um, between the Jacksonville Jaguars and Seattle Seahawks. I mean, a lot of people got fined, <clears throat> but the person who started the melee, who had the dirtiest play, Michael Bennett, Nothing happened to him. He got penalized. He got a flag. He did not get fined. He did not get suspended. And if you look at the tape, and I advise anyone who has any doubt to look at the tape, Bennett set off the fireworks by deliberately diving into the knees of of the Jaguar center, Brandon Linder. He hit him in the back of his knees. He fell. Linder fell. And then he hit him again. And what happened to to uh, Bennett nothing. The NFL is afraid of Michael Bennett. Uh, This is the same guy that it was proven lied about the incident in Las Vegas where three police officers, two Hispanics and one African-American arrested him. They let let him go after a while and he claimed he was racially profiled. There's there's hundreds of hours of tapes on that that prove that he wasn't telling the truth. But anyway, that's another story. But Michael Bennett, for some reason, the Seahawks uh, nominated him for NFL Player of the Year. Uh, This is maybe the dirtiest play all season that you could watch in the NFL, and he gets away scot-free. It's just absolutely incredible to me, and and it's another case. There are certain players in the NFL that the NFL is afraid of, and Michael Bennett is one. So why are they afraid of him? Because he has a following, he has a brand. And I guess they don't want to upset a lot of the people, social justice warriors, if you want to call them that, for lack of a better word, that uh, follow everything uh, Michael Bennett says as, as it's gold. I remember when he was with the Tampa Bay Bucks, and this is before any of this protest stuff started, where a lot of people couldn't stand him. I know Greg Shiano, he wasn't a popular coach, but he shipped Bennett out because he just said that, that he was too much of a headache. You know, he's a guy that always complained so forth and so on. Well, so. You just look at the overall breakdown of the of the game and it just it's just dumbfounding how he wasn't fined or even suspended for that matter. Pete Carroll, the coach of the Seahawks, fined $10,000 for improperly entering the playing field. Quentin Jefferson fined $9,115 for unnecessary roughness. Same exact penalty for Sheldon Richardson. Jermaine Ifedi, $24,000 for verbal abuse of a ref. Leonard Fournette, twelve thousand plus dollars for unsportsmanlike conduct, and on top of that, I believe four players at the game—I mean, sorry, four fans in the stands at the game—are banned for life from attending that stadium football games because of stuff being thrown on the field towards the players. And you're absolutely right; Michael Bennett was the one who started this all by rolling into the center's knees. And the NFL actually publicly said that they didn't think he was—it was a dirty hit that he had been trying to do this all year by quote unquote swiping the ball out of the center's hands. I mean, just overall going forward for the season, it looks like Michael Bennett can just uh, uh, be free to do whatever he wants or put on his best Nadamik and Sue 
hat, and he won't get penalized. Unlike Ndamukong Sue has been penalized before. So what, what do you what do you make of this for the Seahawks? This is a it's a playoff Super Bowl contending team right here. Well, well, like I said, the NFL's afraid of him. They don't want to upset the apple cart. They don't want you know. They, it's been a bad year for the NFL with off the field shenanigans. But doesn't this hurt them? Like they, it doesn't make it any does, sense. I, I think it does, but I think that they must have thought, well, God, if we find Michael Bennett, it's going to send off a fireworks, firestorm of all his supporters. You're being unfair to him. Just another bad PR move for the NFL because obviously this could cause a backlash against the fact he didn't get suspended because it's absolute hypocrisy yeah. and not con- no, nothing consistent-wise in terms of the NFL making these decisions. Yeah, uh, you know, he's been uh, kneeling all year. I don't know if he still is or not, and so he has a lot of supporters in that regard, and maybe they, they were afraid. Uh, the NFL was afraid that this would be taken as a retaliation. All right, well, you, 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 well you heard the Godfather's rant there from his Tampa Bay Bucks days of Michael Bennett. We'll be, back right, we'll be right back with part two. Welcome back, Sports World, to part two of our NFL Quick Rants podcast for week 15 of the NFL season. I am your host, Chris Dell, the mad journalist. That's M-A-D-D, journalist. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn if you are so inclined. Sitting next to the godfather, Mr. Alan Dell. You can find him at Adel Sports on Twitter. That's A-D-E-L-L Sports on Twitter. Former Tampa Bay Bucks beat writer and getting into part two of our NFL Quick Rants podcast and my rant for the week. It's that you look at the entire landscape of the NFL season and getting towards the playoffs. We're heading into week 15, only two more weeks left after this until the playoffs start. And what a wild race it's going to be in the NFC. And I'd just like to say that I think there are eight teams that are potential Super Bowl contenders in the NFL right now. And seven of those eight teams, you heard me right, seven of those eight teams are all in the NFC. And you might be asking yourself, why is there only one team in the AFC that's considered a Super Bowl contender? And I'll tell you why. It's because the New England freaking Patriots were exposed on Monday Night Football by a terrible terrible Miami Dolphins football team and all the hype heading into that showdown between Pittsburgh and New England this weekend I think that took a little bit of a ding to say the least on Monday night when the Patriots as I said were exposed you look at these two teams only one game apart in the standings the Patriots don't have the defense that they've had in past years to win a Super Bowl. Tom Brady has not been in sync with his weapons consistently. Yeah, you could say Gronk was out, but what about a guy like Brandon Cooks who didn't have a catch until the fourth quarter of that game Monday night, and you're telling me this late into the season that you have a loss that bad? I'm sorry, I don't buy the Jacksonville Jaguars at 9-4. and four. Yeah, you're going to win against crappy teams in the AFC. The New England Patriots, that's what they've been doing all year is beating nothing but crappy teams themselves. And Pittsburgh's sitting there pretty at 11-2. and two. Pittsburgh has the easiest road out of any NFL team to get to the Super Bowl. And you just wonder, whatever NFC team makes it out of that crowded race, that they're going to be facing a Pittsburgh Steelers team that is absolutely fresh and has all their guys healthy because they're not going to face much competition in that AFC playoff picture. I mean, look at the Patriots. They've lost to the Chiefs, and they obviously lost to the Chiefs in Week 1. Then they beat the Saints, but they also lost to the Panthers back in Week 4. And, you know, in between now and then, this past loss, I mean, they've beaten teams like the Broncos, the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Chargers. Not really any marquee wins on the schedule for New England when you look past that Week 2 win at New Orleans. That was before New Orleans went on their winning streak. So I think this New England team's a little, let's say, a lot overrated. Defending Super Bowl champs, I'll give them credit there. First in the AFC East at 10-3. 
But man, the NFC, look at all the teams that are stacked, Mr. Allendale. Philadelphia is still a very good team, even without Carson Wentz. Not saying they're as good as they were before he went down, but still a good team nonetheless. Defense, special teams, offensive weapons. The Vikings are sitting there looking good at 10-3. and three. Then you got three teams at 9-4, and four, the Rams, the Saints, and the Panthers. Don't knock out the Atlanta Falcons, who are trying to get back to the Super Bowl, and your beloved Seattle Seahawks and Michael Bennett and the Pete Carroll boys at 8-5. and five. Those seven teams right there have just as good a chance, if not better, than New England to get to the Super Bowl. And I'm just surprised. How did the power shift so vastly in, in between these conferences, the AFC and the NFC, what do you think? Am I just completely off base here? Am, am I bitter from my fantasy football loss? Or do you think these Patriots are overrated too? Well, I think you've been drinking too much Kool-Aid. So uh, let, let, let's coffee. put everything in perspective. First of all, Tom Brady has a losing record in Miami against the Patriots. So the fact that he lost is no big deal. He lost last year 20-10. Uh, to 10. He lost two years ago 33-20 to 20 in Miami. Those were pretty good years. So pulling that, out the stats, you're killing me over here, Mr. Allendale. And Got people, were, people were saying he was old. He wasn't old. He, he doesn't do well. I, I think the Patriots are going to come back and beat. Uh, their, their their defense has has not been good all year. It's, it's been good in in streaks. Belichick will come through. And don't forget the Patriots. Brady is six and two against. Uh, uh, your boy Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, and I think they're going to win again this week. So it's a lot of hula, a lot of panic. Brady's fine. He's a he's a 40-year-old guy going on 24. Well, Nothing to worry about. He, he has a losing record in Miami, and he still wins Super Bowl. But Big, Big Ben is hot right now, playing arguably the best football of his career in these last couple weeks. You had that, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Chris Boswell, the kicker who beat me in fantasy Monday, uh, Sunday night. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just bitter about the loss, man. We'll be right back, Sports World. Sports World, what is good? Back here with a bonus edition of our NFL Quick Rants podcast for Week 15, sitting here with the godfather, Mr. Alan Dell. And just talking about Tom Brady real quick, uh, not to get cut off there, but you're talking about some media outlets calling him out for being the biggest cheater in sports of all time. You're talking about some stuff before I was even born, or what's going on here, man? Yeah, bring, bring us the facts. I, you know, there was a sports radio talk host in Pittsburgh, and I don't want to give his name because he doesn't deserve any uh, special credibility, but he was calling Brady a cheater in the same light as Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Rosie Ruiz, Who's uh, Rosie Lance, Ruiz? Lance Armstrong. Now, you're too young. You weren't even born, but Rosie Ruiz is a famous Cuban-American runner who was declared the winner, winner in the female category of the 84th Boston Marathon in 1980, and it was determined only uh, that she cheated. Uh, she took a shortcut during the race. <laughs> so uh, she's a fake winner. Throwback and, throwback metaphor right so there. So this, this Pittsburgh radio host uh, compared Brady to her. Lance Armstrong, Barry Barnes, Mark McGuire. And, and well, how about how about this? And when, ben Johnson, the, the hundred yard guy. Well, touche. When, when you're that great, you're gonna get that much hate, I think, from the media, especially Pittsburgh media right now, because the only thing blocking Pittsburgh way to get to the to get to the Super Bowl is the New England Patriots. I mean, regardless of what people think of Tom Brady being a cheater and deflated balls and all this and that. 
uh, Spygate, you know, all the different gates that, that the Patriots have in terms of controversy for those Super Bowl wins. What is Tom Brady's legacy when it all wraps up? I mean, you're a guy that sat down and interviewed Joe Namath back in your day. You've, you've seen a lot of these uh, quarterbacks and different NFL Hall of Famers come and go. Where do you rank Brady no matter what happens this season? Or do you think him winning another Super Bowl will put him number one football player of all time, hands down? What are your thoughts on Brady's legacy? I mean, this guy can't play forever, or can he? Maybe he can. Uh, maybe my play to his 50. I don't know. Is he the greatest quarterback ever? I mean, that you have to, there's different parts to being great quarterbacks. I, I always thought... Dan Marino was the greatest thrower, throwing quarterback there ever was. And Joe Montana knew how to win games, knew how to, you know, go, especially in the, in the final minutes of a game. Uh, Brady's up there. He, you know, I, I don't know how you say who's the greatest. Uh, Johnny Unitas, going way back. I don't know how many people your age even know who Johnny Unitas is. Or Otto Graham, those were great quarterbacks. John Elway, two Super Bowls at his career. That's your Mr. Humpty Dumpty, John Elway, right there. Yeah, but not so, so not so good as a GM, though. So I mean, I I, I don't know if he, I could say he's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's the winningest quarterback of all time. That's something to be said for itself. So even if he gets another one this year, you're not willing to give him that title. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers might be the greatest. A lot of people think he's the best quarterback. He is the best quarterback all time, and he's won, what, one Super Bowl? That's a good point right you know? there. Yeah, I mean, well, Dan Marino, like you said, I mean, considered one of the greatest quote-unquote passers uh, of all time. Well, that's what a quarterback does is pass the ball, right? But obviously no Super Bowl, so the opposite of Tom he Brady only, right there. He only there. went to one Super Bowl. I believe it was his first or second year in a strike-shortened season. And I remember him saying, well, I figured I'd be back here a lot, and he never made it back. So It's just amazing to see regardless of what happens this season with the Patriots. And I was ranting on them in the last segment, uh, mostly being bitter about my fantasy football loss and Brandon Cooks only getting 20 seven yards the other night but we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get past that point right there you're moving on to the semifinals of our fantasy football playoffs but uh, not to get too into fantasy just wrapping up here on our nfl quick rants podcast is that you look at the patriots and it's just amazing because i remember as a little kid i think it was elementary school years for me and watching or middle school watching tom brady go into the game as a starter for the first time ever in his career replacing drew bledsoe who had been hurt i believe at the time and playing well enough to win that first game and then continue to be the starter and playing well enough to keep that job and then the miraculous run the patriots had i mean the, if it's hard to remember sports world that the Patriots were underdogs at one point before Tom Brady ever won a Super Bowl massive underdogs in that Super Bowl victory that against the Rams quote-unquote the greatest show on turf so just amazing to see what Brady's done staying in the league with Bill Belichick and them continuing to win games every single it seems like they never win uh, less than 10 games every year yeah I mean they all they all is uh critics want to bring up the flake gate they bring it up spy gate the flake gate uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers said he liked the uh, footballs that weighed a certain amount. So I, I don't know. It's just jealousy. Uh, New England beat uh, Pittsburgh twice last year, and I think they're going to do it again. Well, you heard it here first, folks, from the Godfather himself. We'll be right back with our NFL Quick Picks podcast. And we are back, Sports World, with our Quick Rants podcast here on Go Baller FFS. I am your host, Chris Dell, the Mad Journalist. That's M-A-D-D Journalist. 
with two D's sitting here next to the Godfather, Mr. Alan Dell, former Tampa Bay Bucks beat writer, finally back here together in Bradenton, Florida, after I spent the last week in NYC doing some business and some pleasure, and ain't nothing better than doing that in Brooklyn, New York, my friends, and just getting into our NFL Quick Picks podcast for Week 15, our NFL Quick Picks Saturday football special. We got two games on the docket tomorrow, Chicago Bears at the Detroit Lions, two teams that have fallen well out of the NFC playoff race, you could say the least for that. Detroit Lions favored by five at home in this game, and the Bears coming off a a complete romping of the Cincinnati Bengals, so finally looking good and putting up some points. Your boy uh, Trubisky looking like Truthbisky over here, so Mr. Allen Delma lets you take this game. Lions favored by five at home. You got them covering the spread. What's your take on this one? Well, Well, first of all, Detroit still has a shot at the playoffs if they can win out. They might be able to make it. Uh, it's a must-win for them. Chicago is, uh, they're fighting for John Fox if you want to fight for him, and that a lot of players might be thinking it's better if he just leaves. Uh, Detroit 7-6, and six, and obviously they need to win out to have any chance of reaching the playoffs uh, for the second straight season because it's so jammed up, and you got Green Bay it's, that's coming back with Aaron Rodgers. you got Dallas in the mix. So there's so many teams fighting for that last wild card spot. It, and 10-6 and six might not be good enough. Uh, that's right, even if, going, they, even if they went out, yeah, right. Because of what's going on in the NFC South where you might have three teams from that division. So uh, uh, Trubisky, um, if you like him, great. Uh, he's got a long way to go. They had the running game going last week. I, I think Detroit's going to win. They do a good job at home. And I, I like them taking this game 28-21. 28-21. I mean, I, I got a similar score here. I got Detroit 30, Chicago 20. So the Lions covering the spread in this game. I think Matthew Stafford's gotten back on track. I, without him dealing with that thumb injury, they could be in a lot better position to make that wild card push and win those. You know, winning three games is easier, easier said than done in the NFL. And, uh, you know, the Bears just over a hapless Cincinnati Bengals, my beloved Bungles, after they beat the Steelers in the first half two weeks ago, they completely got content with everything going on in their organization without any reason to really do so, and then come out and lay an egg in the second half, give up that big lead, and then the next week you see what they do and the type of mental state that they're in. I should have made my quick rant about Marvin Lewis getting his players ready for football games because we've seen that way too long in Cincinnati, but I digress. Let's get back into the real game on Saturday and the Los Angeles Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs opened up as a one-point favorite at home in this game, but now the Chargers favored on the road by one point at Arrowhead Stadium. I mean, two teams that are 7-6, and six, yeah, but isn't it amazing that the Chargers started the season 0-4 and, and the Chiefs started the season 4-0, and and now both of these teams now sit here at 7-6. and six. Huge division game. Most likely the winner of this game is going to win that division. I know the Raiders are still somewhat in that race themselves, sitting at 6-7, and seven, one game out. But, man, you talk about implications, playoff implications. I mean, the Los Angeles Chargers arguably could be the second or third best team in the AFC despite the record. So what what, what you got in this one, Mr. Yeah, Allen? They, they've won, the Chargers have won four in a row, and they've outscored the opposition 131-53 during that you know that spree. They're 7-2. I like their defense. I like Joey Boza, 11, 11 and a half sacks. Michael Ingram's got... Nine. Melvin Ingram. Melvin, I'm sorry, he's got nines. I like their defense. I know this game's in Kansas City, so you want to favor the home guys. Uh, the thing with 
with Philip Rivers. He's a guy that can tease you, tease you, and then leave you with a broken heart for a guy that's like seeing this beautiful woman. She talk, he talks to her, she smiles at him, and she says, excuse me, I have to go to the ladies' room, and she never comes back. So that's kind of frustration that uh, that, that Philip Rivers has left fans with. But, but you, you Cry just, me a Rivers, man. Yeah, cry me a Rivers. Uh, What's your, what's your score in this well, game? What I, you got? I think the Chargers are going to just eke it out, 28-27. Oh, big road win for the Chargers. They they lost back-to-back road games at the Patriots and Jaguars by 8 to the Patriots, by 3 to the Jags. I think they pull this out. Two teams going in completely opposite directions, as we've, as we've seen happen many times in recent weeks. I think the Chargers take care of business in this one, win the game 27-20 to by a touchdown and cover the spread. And we'll be back soon with the, our quick picks for the rest of Sunday's games. Peace out.